I am extremely privileged and grateful to be in the company of one of Britain's finest actors and one of the Bill's most iconic stars. On the set, her fellow cast members called her Dame, the Bill fans worldwide call her Legend. Trudy Goodwin, welcome to the Bill Podcast. Who's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm no, it's, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk about the Bill. I could talk about it all day. So, yeah. well, we, You're in the right company because yeah, you're, you're talking... Obviously. Of, yeah. <laughs> you know much more about it than I do. It's quite an exciting time, isn't it? Because the Bill's had, like, what a comeback this year with the yeah, Drama Channel now. Well, yes, uh, UK TV is showing it. It's on the Drama Channel, I think, a bit. Uh, but they're, they're showing it again right from episode one and then going right the way through. If they show it once a week, apparently it won't be finished till 2043, <laughs> by which someone may not be here. <laughs> but I think they're going, I don't know, presumably they're going to show a couple of days, I don't know, because we did, I think I did a thousand and something yeah. episodes and I think they altogether they did about 2,000. But yeah, it's very exciting and there seems to be a lot of interest about it coming back. The excitement on social media now, which is so nice that UK TV can tap into that, because that wasn't really around when you guys were, no, were making not it. Not at all. So much has changed in the last 10 years with the internet. But honestly, there are so many fans really, really excited about seeing these episodes. But it must be nice for you, having done 24 years on the series, for fans of the new era to discover those older episodes perhaps for the first time in well some I think it'll be very interesting because I do wonder uh, I hate watching myself but I have watched some of those old episodes unlike the first three series which we did in batches of 12 and they stand up quite well but they are slow they mm. are really slow and actually I quite like that because you get drawn into the story you don't feel like you're being madly rushed mm. but everything now is very very fast and I do wonder about the attention span of, of a much younger audience. Mm. I wonder how they'll take to that. I wonder whether they'll go, gosh, this is slow, or whether they'll go, this is very nice because it's slow and I'm enjoying the story and I'm, you know... I think that'd be quite interesting. I mean, obviously it's speeded, you know, it, it got pacier mm. when, we, when we went to twice a week or whatever and half hours. But those first ones, they really took their time with the drama. So it'll be interesting to see. And it's a little snapshot to... London as it was then. Massively. As I I was saying to somebody the other day, actually, one of the major characters in the bill is London. And I think that's why it's massively popular in Australia because a lot of, you know, British people have moved out there or have family here and are going, oh, there's that place and that place. And, you know, in those old episodes, you can see those backgrounds that a lot of which have gone. I mean, all around Docklands is utterly unrecognisable now. We were filming there before Docklands development started, so it's actually a bit of social history if you look at the, at the background of some yeah. of these things. There's some extraordinary stuff there. And I, I remember um, we did one of those one-shot... Well, it was actually done in three shots, but the whole of the first half was one shot. Casualty have just done that, there, yeah. but we did it way before <laughs> them. And uh, I remember... It was all about all of us being in a van waiting for a riot to That's happen. Right, yeah. A lot of it was filmed inside the police van, which was outside 
what is now Tate Modern, which was the turbine hall, the, the power station. Oh, wow. And we were stuck on a bit of wasteland that overlooked the river with the turbine station behind us, what is now Tate Modern. Somebody said to me, do you know they're going to turn that into an art gallery? And I went, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole place was, it was a, you know, it was awful, horrible, you know. It was, and so just that alone, and I just walked past there today, and of course there's all, you know, trees planted, masses of tourists, and I thought, that's where we parked that family, it was a bit of wasteland. So London's changed massively during that time, so that's, that's going to be interesting for people, I think. And you're a Londoner, you were born in Eltham? Born and bred, yeah. yes. Yeah. Is it Eltham that you were born? Or? No, I was born in Broccoli, uh, which is South London, uh, so I am a South London. <laughs> so I was born in Broccoli, but, but I think we moved to Eltham when I was six or seven, something like that. And then, but Eltham was quite a little village then, actually, it was very quite rural and felt quite a long way from London itself but I've I have lived other places but I've always loved South London I really like South London where we live now which is very near Brixton we bought a house 28 years ago and we're still there I think you're the only person I've ever met who has a bench named after them well that was a surprise to me (laughs) (laughs) somebody got in touch with my agent and said would Trudy mind having a photograph taken on her bench? And I thought, my bench? What's she talking about? I don't know. And then sent the photograph of this bench in Eltham High Street, yeah. which has got my name on it. And I, 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 I was just extraordinary. Yeah, that's pretty cool, <laughs> so isn't it? It's quite nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my kids yeah. thought it was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> and so, early life in Eltham and... Tell me about your parents. Who who were they? How did they meet? Well, they were lovely. Oh, uh, in fact, my, my mum died 20 years ago, day before yesterday. And I, I still miss them so much. Uh, they both died, and my dad died way before that. They were fantastic parents. I've got a younger brother, six years younger than me, and then a uh, very, very happy family. And my mum was, I think, a frustrated actress because she... She was very gregarious and outgoing and very funny, actually, and she had a wonderful singing voice. Used to just sing around the house all the time. And my dad was quite quiet, very good-looking, but quite quite shy and retiring. And he started off as a tea boy in a Greek shipping company before the war and carried on with that company for the rest of his life and, and went, during the war, was in the Merchant Navy and did some very dangerous things indeed. Um, married my mum at, I think he was 18, my mum was 17. Wow. And they were, yeah, together all their lives. They were fantastic and they were massively, you know, they, they nobody in our family had ever been an actor. Um, and when I said, actually, that's what I want to do, I'm going to stop being a teacher and I'm going to take a chance on acting, they never once... They never once discouraged me. They, yes, you, you know, and they got quite a brave, quite a brave thing to do, and to let me go to drama college as well. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know anybody who was doing that. So, uh, yeah, I have a massive amount to be thankful to them for, and they were they were wonderful parents. Did they introduce you to the theatre? Is that right? They used to, they used to go. Yes, I think my mum, rather than my dad, my mum loved the theatre, and uh, but we would always, as treats, we would always go. Oh, wow. the rain? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
my husband had better got the duvet off the line. <laughs> I just washed it. I said, you'd better, for God's sake, bring it in, because it's nearly dry. I have committed anyway. that crime many a time yeah. with my wife. <laughs> we would always go to the theatre, you know, sort of Christmas time, often birthdays, that you'd be taken to town to see a show, and I used to love that and get very dressed up and everything. But I was taken, I think it was an open-air performance when I was about seven, and I, it was Midsummer Night's Dream, but I don't know where it was. And I obviously, I don't think I understood a lot of it, because I, I could only have been about seven. But I, I just remember being fascinated by it and thinking, my gosh, these people do this as a job. Yeah. And that would be nice to dress up and do all that. Although I was quite, I was shy, quite a shy child. I said, I am quite shy, actually. I, that sort of stuck with me, and then we had a wonderful next-door neighbour who was uh, quite elderly and was a sort of surrogate granddad to me, and he was massively well-read, and his house was full of books, and uh, they were a wonderful couple. And he used to read me bits of Shakespeare and make me learn bits of poetry, which I used to love doing at the age of sort of eight or nine. So I learnt great tracts of poetry and, and sonnets and... All sorts of things. So I think he was massively helpful. And he used to buy me really lovely books at Christmas, classic books. So my love of literature, I think, yeah. was definitely promoted by him. Any of those that have stuck with you, the poems? There was a really, really called the, a really long poem called The Jackdaw of Reims, which I used to know by heart. And I got a, I got a medal from school for learning it. I, but I didn't have to learn it. I mean, I just d- decided I wanted to learn it. It's pages long. I can't remember it. No. Well, you've learned a lot of lines since then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, maybe that's why, because I do find my... I don't find it so easy now, but I used to find line learning extremely easy, so mm. maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. For maybe an early age and... Yeah. And presumably uh, graduated to doing the school plays. Did that happen? Well, not particularly, actually. I did do a couple of school plays, but I, I joined a youth theatre. Uh, they came to our school when I was about 14. And it was a, an actor called Ewan Hooper who, who started up the Greenwich Theatre. And he came into um, our school and said, look, I'm, I'm going to take this old musical and turn it into a, into a theatre, this ruined musical, and I'm going to start a youth theatre to begin before we've even done the building I'm going to get the youth theatre started would anybody like to join and I think two of us put our hand up a lot of people and I don't know why I did because I'd say I was quite shy and I I think I shot my hand up and thought yes I want to do that Mm. I was completely smitten I just I went to that first uh, you know drama session one evening uh, in Woolwich and I just thought this is I love this I absolutely love it and and so I used to go once twice a week and then when then we did plays you know and I'd be there all weekend and I'd be painting the sets and oh. doing everything I really loved it so from that age I was much more involved I couldn't be involved in the school plays because I was much more involved in the plays at the youth theatre and we and then we we kind of helped to build the Greenwich Theatre you know, and now it's you know it's a beautiful, beautiful theatre. And then later on, I worked there as an usherette, and I worked backstage, and I worked in the bar, and all that. So I, I had a, quite a long connection with that theatre. And your higher education, you went down to my neck of the woods. You went down to Devon, and I thought I could detect yeah. a West Country accent uh, yeah. there. Yeah, it's got mangled a bit. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> I can I can hear it. So where are you from? Uh, Plymouth originally. Yeah, and then five years in Exeter. 
oh, where you went to yeah. uni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, yeah. what was that? And you were studying drama? Well, I went to Dartington first, Dartington Hall, uh, which was a drama, well, an arts college, actually. So when I left school, I went straight there because I, I knew a couple of people from the youth theatre had gone there and just said, it's the most amazing place, you must go. And I, with my friend Libby, who is still one of my oldest and best friends, uh, we both went from the youth theatre. She was a bit older than me. And we both got in, which was amazing. And it's the most beautiful place near Totnes. Uh, no longer exists, unfortunately. Or the, the college doesn't exist. And we went there and did drama, dance, music and art. But majoring in... Actually, I majored in dance to begin with, but then I turned to drama. I, I changed because I just thought, I'm never going to be that good a dancer. I'm, ne- I'm never going to be quite good enough. Whereas I thought I could be... I could possibly do drama, but I wasn't good enough at dance. And then to be on the safe side, I went and got my teaching qualification at Exeter. So that was, and then and I'm very glad I did actually, because in fact I have done quite a lot of supply teaching when I've been out of work, and oh, right. that definitely helped us get a mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Married to an actor, if you both said you were actors, nobody would give you a mortgage. But you know, I could, I could actually genuinely say I'm a teacher. I bet so, you're a good teacher. Do you know, I was a terrible teacher to begin with. I Definitely, my, my probationary year, I was in a really tough school in Deptford, um, in South London. Really, really tough. And I was thrown in at the deep end. I had my own class and everything. Too much, actually, really. And, and of course, I'm not much older than the kids I was teaching, because mm. I was secondary. I, I loved a lot of the kids that were great, and I still see some of them, actually. But I don't think I... I don't think I got... I found the whole teaching thing really quite stressful. But then I left to become an actress. Uh, But since then I have done supply. And I think I got better as I got older. And Mm. I think going in as a supply teacher, maybe for a few days or a few weeks, whatever, I always went back to the same school because they kept... They they just said, "If if you're ever out of work, come in. So the kids got to know me, and I think oh, I then got to get a bit better at teaching. So by the by the time I stopped teaching, because it actually, I think I was doing a TV series then, I think, and it became a bit difficult because I was on television, and the kids that's all they wanted to talk about. So yeah, uh, and also I started to earn you know some decent money. Um, but I think by the time I stopped teaching, I, was, I probably wasn't too bad. Mm. <laughs> I, was, I admire teachers massively. I don't know, I don't know how they do it, no. especially now. Yeah, nowadays they're really like forty difficult. in a class. You know, really impossible, impossible. Once you decided to become an actress, so presumably mm. back then you had to get the all-important equity card. How did you go about that? Well, I lied basically. <laughs> um, I, I went because. I was writing thousands of letters, you know, like you used to then, write letters and put your photograph in. And I'd say, unfortunately, you know, I'd say, unfortunately I haven't got an equity card. And then I wonder why I never got seen. And then somebody said to me, don't tell them that. Just don't tell them you haven't got an equity card. So I started getting more auditions. But then it would usually come, have you got an, you know, what's your record? And I'd go, oh, actually, I'm good. And then I saw this advert for Theatre and Education, for a theatre and education company and one of the actors who was in it uh, happened to be at the Greenwich Theatre. I was working behind the bar and he said, you really should apply for this because you've got teaching and you've got 
yeah. bit of drama experience. They said, don't, they have got equity cards going spare. So don't tell them you haven't got an equity card. But if you get off of the job, then you have one, maybe yeah. you'll get... So I said I had. They, well, it was one of the first thing they asked me. I think they said, you, you are a member of equity. I went, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And anyway, I went through all the auditions and everything, and I think they were more concerned that I had a clean driving licence rather than about anything to do with my acting ability. But I got offered the job, and I think I was one of the few people at that age who had a clean licence, who had been driving for a long time, and obviously wasn't too appalling an actor. Oh, and I just I said... I'm really sorry, I've got come clean, I haven't got an equity card. And they went, mm, well, maybe we actually, we have an allocation and we will give you one. Oh. Yes! <laughs> yeah, you um, offered running. So I did two years with them, yeah, oh. and ended up uh, directing and, I, uh, and just touring all over the country, driving the blimmin' van. But it was fantastic experience and a really good discipline, actually, because you, you can never be late. You mm. can never not be on the ball at nine o'clock in the morning when you've got to pretend to be a queen or, or I don't know, played every sort of part under the sun. So actually that, that kind of discipline, I think, stood me in good stead for, for everything I did afterwards. And then was it weekly rep? I did weekly rep, various theatres, never earning much money. But <laughs> and, but the big my big thing was going to Leicester, to, to the Phoenix Theatre in Leicester, where I was for over two years, I think which is where I met my husband as well. And I was part of that company doing, again, everything under the sun. You know, you Shakespeare, musicals, play adventure stuff in the park with kids all summer, um, pub theatre, you name it. We did everything. And I absolutely loved it there. Loved it and still have a lot of friends from that time. And, yeah, met met Kit, so... And what, uh, what was Kit's route into the profession? What was his background? He'd been to university to do English and drama, and he joined Prospect, a company called Prospect Theatre Company, which toured all over the world doing Shakespeare and stuff. Uh, He was a much more well-known actor than I was. And when I met him, I remember the director of the play we were going to do, which was a John Osborne play. The director said, oh, I've got this this guy coming over who I know, uh, I've worked with him before, and he's coming over, uh, he's working at Sheffield at the moment, but he's coming to Leicester to do three plays with us. He said, I think you'll really like him, Um, but he's a brilliant guitarist, he's a really good musician, and uh, and he's, he's, you know, he's good fun. And and I can remember him walking into the green room, and I thought, because he said his name's Kit Jackson, that's a great name, that's a cool name. And I can remember Kit walking down the stairs into the green room at, at the theatre and thinking, hmm, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's quite nice. Uh, I can remember what he was wearing and everything. Wow. And, uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's only a few weeks later, we, yeah, we started going out, and that was it. I've never got rid of him since. No. It's <laughs> wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. I, yeah. I, I knew when I, I met my wife, we had our first date, and I just knew. You just knew? Yeah. yeah. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? It is. It is. I think you're very lucky to have had that, because I think a lot of people don't have that. No. Aren't lucky enough to have had that. It doesn't mean to say they wouldn't have a good relationship, but Mm. I think to have that, just knowing straight away that somebody is actually right for you is is a great thing to have. Oh, I'm lucky having a wife who's put up with a year of all creatures great and small and now a year of a bill. Yeah, well, yeah, she must be very tolerant. (laughs) 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 
And so, in both early days, then, lots of theatre. How did you both make the move to break into television? Well, it was, it was what everybody wanted to do. I mean, so we did a couple of adverts, which earned some money. But because you just, well, like now, unless you're in the West End and a major name, you are not going to be earning enough money to make a living. And in rep, on my own, I was earning 18 quid a week, and I just about managed on that. But... If you wanted to start a family and then have somewhere to live and pay a rent, uh, you couldn't just do theatre. Uh, so everybody did other jobs. Everybody did, you know, cleaning jobs or bar jobs or anything just to keep the wolf from the door. And that's what we were doing. We were both working in a bar, actually, uh, when we moved back to London, as well as doing theatre jobs and stuff. But you, you just had to keep the wolf from the door. So I think Kit was doing quite a lot of tellies. He, he got... He started getting bit parts in all sorts of things. He, he was in loads of stuff. And that was definitely made a massive improvement to the income. And then I got sent up for... Yeah, I'd done a couple of episodes of things. Gentle Touch was one of them. I can't remember what the other things were. And I got sent up for something called Fox... Yeah. Um, which was quite a big break for me. Yeah, playing um, Derek O'Connor's girlfriend. Derek O'Connor, the lovely Derek O'Connor, yeah. And on the strength of that, we got married, because that was, uh, I was, I think I was working for something like six months um, mm. across, you know, a few episodes, and the money was really good compared to what I had been earning. You know, we could afford to get married, basically, Although we only we only got married at the Young Vic, which is oh, really? <laughs> well, we got married at a registry office, but then we were both at the Young Vic at the time, and we yeah, Kit was performing in the evening. I think I'd just finished a play there, and I was doing Fox during the day. So, uh, and then we had this break of two weeks. We thought we could get married there and, and actually be able to go away, which is what we did. So that was Fox was a kind of quite a big thing and yeah. interesting. Well, Mark was in that as well. Mark that's, Williams, yeah, that's right. There. And Jim Goddard later directed some episodes of The he Bill. He did, he came and directed The Bill, and, yeah. and he was such a brilliant director. Um, and he taught me a massive amount, because I was quite naive. You know, that, that amount of television, I'd only done little bits, and mm. so suddenly this was, was quite a bit of a bigger part, with very well-known actors. So You held your own, though. I mean, it's, it still stands up yeah, very, very well. I haven't seen it, but I, oh, you know. Yeah. But that was definitely a good calling card for stuff after that because suddenly you could say oh I've done something fairly substantial what do you think casting directors saw in you to play these quite strong women often in positions where men have either been naughty or they've been on the wrong side of the law and, and, and you're the sort of moral character in their lives who is tough but also very accommodating yeah. in, in Fox. You know, Derek O'Connor has yeah. still got another lady on the scene. and you know. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's very difficult, actually, for actors to say why they're casting stuff, because I think you're always slightly surprised. You go, oh, I don't, I don't see myself like that. But obviously you must be showing something that somebody recognises. I don't know whether many actors know... Wally, they've been cast in something. I know when I'm wrong for something. I do know that, usually. I, I, I usually go, oh, I'll be sent up for something, I go, no, that, I'm definitely not right for that. I'm usually right, but, but whether I know whether I'm actually right for something is a different 
thing altogether. And when I went for the bill, I so nearly didn't go. I love uh, this story. <laughs> I mean, I, how it's fate, isn't it? And, yeah, know. I just, uh, for the pilot, I was breastfeeding my uh, first daughter. Uh, so I was between feeds. I had to get all the way to Teddington to drive there in the traffic. And it was hot. And I, I can remember saying to my agent, I really don't want to go, you know... And then I left the baby with my mum, because Kit was working, drove across town to Teddington, dashed in and went, I'm really sorry, I was late, I was hot. I I said, I don't know anything like my spotlight photograph, because I hadn't had a new photograph done, because I'd been having a baby. Uh, And in the photograph, I looked completely different. And I said, this is a waste of time, I'm not... Sorry, I don't... You know, I'm not a policewoman. I'm definitely not a policewoman. I, 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 this is where I got something very wrong, because I really didn't think I was right for it at all. Mm. Not at all. Seriously talked myself out of the job. And they said, well, re- we'll read it. And I read it and thought, well, this is quite a nice script. Ooh, this is, this is a nice script, but... Mm. <laughs> Couldn't wait to dash off and get the next feed in. You know? Yeah, yeah. Got back to my mum's, and almost straight away the phone rang, and they said, yeah, we want her. So I didn't get... My instinct wasn't right on that, actually, because no. I really thought I was very wrong for it. <laughs> I don't know what they saw. I, I have no idea. And was that Peter Crudine and That Michael was the lovely Chapman? Peter Crudine, yes. Right. Who I saw. I didn't see Michael Chapman then, who was the producer. I just saw Peter. And weirdly, Peter didn't know that I was married to Kit. And Peter, during... I think he'd just taken two days off... Because he was directing a Shakespeare in Ludlow with Kit. No way. So, you know, that we hadn't made the connection, Kit and I, at all, that this was the same. Because I just said, oh, I'm going for a telly. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the director. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing him, you know. And Kit had just started working with Peter Cresine. So, actually, he employed both of us practically wow. at the same time. And uh, he became very important on the bill. He, he, yeah. he very much helped develop the bill style. And he was a massively important man, Peter. And absolutely brilliant director. Still, I think, one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And a wonderful man. Absolutely wonderful man. What's your memories of Wooden Top, you know, actually in terms of making well, it? Well, I don't remember a huge amount about it, actually. Because it was quite quick. But we had rehearsals. We had a proper read-through, which you don't get anymore. And... Colin Blumenau was in That's that. Right. Uh, Gary Olson. Gary, bless him, he's died now. Uh, yes, Gary Olson. Peter Dean. Peter Dean did indeed do that, and then they uh, don't think they thought he was quite right, and he was re- uh, Eric took over from him in the first mm. series. And you had as well playing Galloway, Robert Pugh. Robert Pugh, who's yeah. a bloody good actor, <laughs> yeah. a great actor, but didn't want to. Do, I think he was offered it, but he didn't want to do a series. He didn't want to. He had a lot of other things going on work-wise, and didn't want to get kind of typecast. I think. So we got John Salthouse, who was yeah, wonderful, like, wonderful as Galloway. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, I mean, you take Mark on his sort of poppy walk. I think they refer to it in the script, you know, yeah. on the beat, and then you find this. Corpse of an old in lady, a block of yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, in a bath, yeah. Yes, yeah. that was pretty horrible, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> um, uh, I think they did that quite well. I, I read an interview with you from the late eighties where the advisors actually showed you both photos of real yeah, corpses, yes. so you could kind of. And also, we have to. I have shot in real mortuaries. Uh, oof, 
which mm. is not nice at all. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how... I don't know how morticians do it, apart from anything else, but I don't know how police officers do that either. Mm. There's that very distinctive smell that you never, ever, ever forget. Uh, yes, I mean, it was a great story. It was a really good idea, and I always thought that, you know, that thing of the, the alarm clock going off and him... Yeah. I think his first line is something like, come on, Carver. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Sorry, yes. And and the shot of the uniform hanging on the back of the door... I, I haven't seen it. I've only I've only seen it once when wow. it came out. Wow. But I do remember that really clearly. And of course, nobody knew who we were. I mean, nobody. Neither of us were. Well, Mark had done a lot more than I had on television and film, but we weren't recognisable. So we could wander about the you know the East End in uniform, and and everybody thought we were real coppers. And and we shot all that first that pilot episode all down the commercial road, Isle of Dogs, around there. So that was fascinating. And then we went back to Teddington to do the interiors of the police station. We did it at the studios. I just thought, what a great job that was. Oh, really enjoyed that, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and it was... We had no idea that that was a potential... You know, that all those six, those six dramas in that storyboard series were all potential series, and in fact three of them got made into series which is quite a big hit rate yeah. three out of six yeah and obviously the bill was the was the longest running of those, any of those and, and was jeff mcqueen around lot for the making of it uh yes he was no he was around a lot great man lovely man and such a good writer gosh and again unfortunately he's not with us anymore mm. which is very sad yeah uh, but yeah, I, I, I love Jeff, and he was always really helpful, really, really helpful, really enthusiastic, incredibly enthusiastic man. And so do you remember the moment when suddenly you get the call and you're coming back to do a, a series? I, I should be able to remember that moment, shouldn't I? Because it was a massive life changer, but I actually can't remember it. No, I, I, I can't remember that. Uh, it must have been terribly exciting. <laughs> Maybe we drank a lot of champagne and I, I you know, it's, I got drunk. I can't Gosh, you know, it was actually, for the time, it was well paid as well. It was really right. well paid. And again, Jessica was two years old, something like that. And we had a, a flat. It was manna from heaven. It was mm. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And, and how similar was the truly good one of 1984 to the June Ackland that you were playing? Well, I think... I think there are quite... Yeah, I think there are quite a lot of similarities. I mean, I think I'm a bit... I don't think I'm quite as uptight as she can be. And I think I've got a bit more of a sense of humour than she had, because she'd have a bit of a humour bypass sometimes. (laughs) But she was a really good police officer, and she took her job very seriously, and... And was also, you know, scrupulously honest. I hope those are qualities I've got. I take my work quite seriously and I work quite hard. And I, But I do mess around as well. And I do... I take it seriously in that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, she she is quite serious generally. And not, not a lot of messing about goes on with her. But no. But it does with me. So. <laughs> the, the, the standout episode... From series one for me it's called it's not such a bad job after all and it's by oh, barry appleton barry appleton 
it's pretty much your episode, really, because you, right. you, you found a body of a young woman in the, in the wood as a teenage girl, and you've, it's a Sunday morning, you've called Galloway out on a Sunday morning, Ooh. turns out it's a suicide, so he's grumpy, you've got right. this really long tracking shot where John Sawhouse isn't saying a word, and you're following him in the woods, explaining, well, I did do the right thing, didn't I, sir? Yes, you're looking for reassurance, and he just gives you... None. He just goes, stop talking, Ackland, you know. He's a really good character, I think, Galloway, because he's grumpy about being out of bed early on a Sunday morning, but he, then he has the line somewhere of his parents that still think they've got a daughter. Oh, it's just lovely yeah. little moments yes. like that. But then he has a right go at you again. You say, I'm seriously thinking about jacking it in before it's too late. I don't want to turn into one of those hardened cows. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mark's trying to talk you all out of it. And then then you go to that post-mortem. That's the, that's the episode right. where you and Eric go. And, right. And, and you, you're, you're sick. Um, yes. You run out and then you come back in and then the, then the mortician says, anyone for lunch? And you run out and you're going to be sick again. Yes, this is ringing bells now. I, again, I've only seen that. I would have only seen that episode wow. once. Oh. Um, but I do remember that. I remember that long tracking shot through the woods. So I remember doing that. Because, of course, that was one of the main things about the programme were, were the really, really long shots, handheld long shots, which used to take ages to rehearse. But if you got it right you know, would actually often be quicker than doing keep doing reverses on people and turning the camera around. Yeah. But that was one of the one of the reasons you would turn on the bill and you would know it was the bill very quickly. I think because it had a very distinctive style and a look about it, which mm. later on I think it lost, unfortunately. But, yeah. And I remember I do remember talking to John and Eric about that episode because it was a big episode for me. And, again, I wasn't that experienced in television. And I remember actually asking them for some advice in the canteen one day. I said, oh, I've got a really big episode coming yes. up. You know, and Eric was hugely helpful, actually. You have a great scene with him in the car where he, you're out so really wishing you hadn't gone. And he calls you a milk monitor for oh, volunteering. Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. I remember, I can hear him saying that. Yeah. And you yeah. say, well, what kind of a person am I going to be in 10 years' time? I'm missing out, Sarge, you know? I'm, and, uh, and he says, right, I don't want to hear any more about this handing your papers in. And he's such a great actor, isn't he, yeah. Eric? I mean, yeah. he really goes for it. Absolutely. I love that actors that just go for it. Yeah. You know, and he's no. one of them. Very strong. Yeah, always very strong. Very, very experienced. He's, uh, you know, and, uh, a great friend and still is a great friend, actually. And he's no different no, <laughs> now. Right. I mean, he's no different. But again, and there's a man who took his, you know, took his job very seriously, but was great fun as well. Right. You know, so we did used to mess around an awful lot. And yeah. he was so rude to me. He was still he? is so rude to me. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> oh, I can't remember what he used to call me. Oh, Doris. He used to call me Doris quite a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really had forgotten that episode and, and, and lovely Barry Appleton who wrote it. Yeah, mm. yeah. He wrote quite a few of he your... Did. He did, he wrote a lot for me, actually. Yeah. Um... But there you go. That's interesting that, you know, I don't want to become a hard bit, but I don't want to stay in this for very long. And Yeah. Yes, truth is uh, reflecting <laughs> fiction. Because I certainly never thought I was going to stay in this series for as long as I did. Mm. It never crossed my mind. No. For a couple of years. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20. I can't believe I was in it that long. I really can't. It doesn't seem like the time went very, very, very quickly indeed, I think, because we were enjoying ourselves. 
Because I can't imagine, like, you worked with Mark Wing for like nearly a quarter of a century, <laughs> you know. And I haven't known anyone quarter no, of a century, you know, know. my family, you know, like, but not like colleagues, you know. No. And that's, you must start to know each other inside out, really. I mean, yes, because we met up a couple of weeks ago for lunch. We just had lunch together up in town. And it's like, I hadn't seen him actually for quite a long time because he's been busy, I've been busy. But, you know, we text every now and again and all that. But we hadn't seen each other probably for a few months. But yeah, the second you sit down, you just it's just like no time has passed at all. And obviously, you know, our kids have all grown up at the same kind of time because Mark didn't have Jamila when he first started the bill. I had Jessica, but I didn't have Eleanor then. I used to bring Eleanor in when she was a baby. I'd bring Jessica in, you know, when she was five or six. And as people had children, the children would come in. We used to have family days. and So we've all kind of families grown up together and the children kind of know each other. And it was a very, very family-friendly place, actually, when it first started. It yeah. became less so. Health and safety and insurance kicked in and it became very difficult to bring kids in, so... Mm. That, that sort of stopped. But in the early days, it was great. Everybody used to bring their kids in. Yeah, so we do, we do all know each other very well. Mm. We've all been through ooh, some very difficult times, you know, when all sorts of things have been happening to actors. And, uh, and there's always been somebody there, you know, a shoulder to cry on or somebody to talk to, which is what I missed probably most of all when I left, actually. It is what I missed most of all. I didn't, I didn't actually miss the work um, by then. But I really did miss the people. And the fact that if you, anything was bothering you, or anything awful had happened, and the, my dad died, and then my mum died, you know, people were massively supportive. And you could just walk into the building and you knew there would always be somebody to talk to. And it wouldn't necessarily always be the same person, but you'd go, oh, do you know what? I think I'm going to go into costume and sit and talk to one of them. Or, uh, yeah, I'll have a word with person in stage management that I get on with really well. It wasn't always actors. And I think everybody found that, that there was always a, a ready ear, you know, somebody you trusted. And I think because you, you had to work so hard at such long hours together that you, you do gel as a company. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't just gelling as actors, it was gelling as, you know, with everybody, stage management, uh, crew, sound, cameras, everybody. Uh, mm. Very close-knit group. Do you remember an episode called The Chief Super's Party? Yes, I do. <laughs> Poor old June's being saintly June, I suppose, and, and being a person being well-behaved and looking after everyone else while they're all getting That's gradually more right. merry. What I remember about it is the fact that we were halfway through shooting it, and I think Peter Grazine directed it. Yeah. We were halfway through shooting it, and there was an ITV strike. Literally, we'd set up the whole of the Chief Super's Party, and there was food and loads of uh, background artists and all of that. And they pulled the plug. They went, no, on strike. And that strike lasted oh, an awfully long time, weeks and weeks and weeks. And we couldn't, we oh. couldn't shoot, so we had to cut down, you know, I mean, we had to finish filming. Obviously, they kept massive continuity photographs and everything. But I, I think there's a point where actually I go, I go under to get a drink or something, and I come up again six months later. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Ellis, who was playing Brownlow, he... I think he lost a lot of weight and they had to pad him out because he, he actually did look considerably different. Right. Oh, wow. So that was the story about that, oh, that episode. Oh, it's, a, it's great fun, those 
I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a similar one when you take everyone, a big group of you, out of Sun Hill, and, yeah. and then in the the following year, you've got overnight stay, which is when you're all in the hotel and oh. June gets drunk. Is that where I end up in a jacuzzi? Or yeah, in, in a yeah, in a sauna. Yeah, with Tony Flattery. That's right. That's the barman. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh God, go. I'm amazed I back. can remember this. Yeah. I really am amazed I can remember. Yeah, June's um, mourning the, the death of her father. And yes. um, Galloway is a go at you. And, and so right, you're a bit again. Unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because in the, in the Chief Super's party, there's a kind of will-they-won't-they they going on because... Yes, a bit of flirting yeah. going on. Because Chris Ellison has yeah. turned up to... He wants... He likes June. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And oh, that's right, Chris Addison. Is that where we first see Burnside? Yeah, he's in the very first episode and he and he comes back. He does like three guest appearances. Um, I'd forgotten that. Yes, he did. Indeed. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> he, he's a great bloke. <laughs> love, I love that character. I mean, oh. that's so popular as well. Yeah. Our ratings shot through the roof with him, with him as Burnside, actually. That was when ratings seriously started to go up, I think. Because everybody loved him, you know, <laughs> such a character. Yeah, I, he was definitely quite flirty with June. He, I yeah, think. oh yeah, he, he says he's going to yeah. take you to paradise. <laughs> take you to paradise, darling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he used to have some good lines actually. Oh. Yeah, no overnight stay. Yeah, you you uh, you have that lovely scene with Tony Slattery, who's playing Pepe, but you keep on calling him Pancho. <laughs> what do I? Yeah. Oh. God, I must have, I must watch some oh, of these actually. Yeah. I must watch them. It's great. I mean, you, I watched it with Tess the other day. She was like, yeah. "That is brilliant drunk acting." Because I mean, you're, oh, you're, really? you're, you're quite on the on the source, and yeah. you know, you're slight slurring of words, saying you were trying to take advantage of me to oh, Tony Slattery, and, and Roger and Eric come and help you up. You know, oh, you're going to yes. sweat it out in the sauna. That's right. And That's right. Eric comes to get you back, and you've taken all your clothes off. You're just in a towel, and you say, "We well, didn't think I was going to miss a chance like this, did you?" Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot. I, you know, it's terrible. I really have forgotten this. I need to watch these. Oh, it's wonderful. I tell stuff. one of the episodes I really liked was, in fact, the one with John Isles, where we were doing ballroom dancing. Oh yeah, save the last dance for me. So, save the last dance for me. And that was good fun. <laughs> I do remember that being really, really good fun because John's so funny. Oh yeah. And he was such good company, and we had a we had a, a real laugh on that. And I always remember a shot by we had a wonderful cameraman, one of our cameramen was called Rody Luca, who in fact I saw a couple of weeks ago, and he was a brilliant handheld staff. And again, he was one of the people responsible for that look because yeah. uh, him and Peter Grigine worked very closely together so Rowley would often be cameraman on Peter Grigine's episodes that he directed and Rowley was fantastic with holding the camera and running backwards and upstairs and you know and there was a shot in Save the Last Dance for Me which was Rowley who is only a short little fella holding the camera up above his head like that, with a fully outstretched arm, and just so he can't see what he's doing at all, and doing a 360-degree shot of the of the ballroom, I think. And I've never seen anybody do that before or mm. since, um, without even being able to see what he was doing. He was just doing it by instinct that he'd get most of it in. Technically, it's an interesting episode, but... You had another lovely double act with John Arles in an episode called Tourist Trap. You're, you're undercover. Oh, yes, as tourists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
yes. A lovely Australian couple who were sat with you guys, and how many children have you got? And John says none, and you say two at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I remember that. It's funny when you mention these these titles, because actually without the titles, I'd be really hard-pushed to remember Mm. them. But the titles are so ingrained in your memory... So, um, you know, funny old business cops and robbers. I could probably, if given long enough, remember all the titles of those first 24 or so episodes. Um, And even some of the half hours. But it was a great shame when we went to just numbers. We all complained about that and said, please, can we have titles? But no, they wanted it all to be numbers. Mm. I miss that, because actually, the minute you say the title, it brings back the episode. Well, the tourist trap also has a very good guest performance from Kit. Oh, does it? Yeah, Is he, he in that he, one? Yeah, he plays a man who's lost his wife and his wife has lost her memory. And so he comes ah, to the station to, to right. try and find her. So you haven't got any scenes with him? I don't think I've got scenes with him, no. because no. you're out with no. John doing, doing the pub rounds. So yeah, Kit works with Chris Humphreys and Barbara Fawn back at the oh, station. Oh, does he? Right, okay. yeah, And it's a lovely performance yeah. by him. And yeah. I think he did like five he or did, six yes, episodes. He did, yes, he did quite a few. I, yeah. I think I only did one with him where I was actually in the same scene as him. Right. And there will be more from the legendary Trudy Goodwin in just a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Fire your feedback over to facebook.com forward slash the bill podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.